Welcome to The Rest is Education. This week, we're discussing why teachers are staying. So, Ross, uh, you've stayed in the profession quite a while. Can you tell us a little bit about why? Um, thanks, Aaron. Uh, although I'm not sure I'm the, the most experienced veteran on the podcast this week. Um, apologies if you can hear the rain in the background. It is it is absolutely torrential here in Sussex at the moment. Um, but uh, why did I stay in the profession? Well, the, the point that really comes to mind was the five-year point in my career. So as I was reaching that fifth-year point when we see a lot of junior teachers leave, um, I decided to stay and I think really I decided to stay for probably the same reasons that you guys decided to stay in in the environment we were staying in. Uh, we were working in at the time. Um, the three of us worked together at that point, but um, perhaps for some other reasons too. So um, the school we worked in was really sociable. There was a lot of camaraderie in the staff room. It was actually a really fun place to work. It was also quite an inspiring place to work because we were an accredited thinking school, um, an organization called Thinking Matters had um, actually come in and, and did some work with us and, and led us down the, the, the road to becoming uh, an accredited thinking school. And I really agreed with the, the pedagogy that was embedded in the, the curriculum and the, the way that we delivered our, our content, I suppose. Um, so I, I found that fascinating and I, I was uh, well I know all of us really were a big part of that um, I felt valued so you know I got to school and I felt that people wanted me to be there and uh, the pay structure was quite rewarding and in that there were incremental increases there was career progression and at each year whilst I was at that school I was able to either take on extra responsibility points or uh, I was promoted up the the pay scale and particularly at that fifth year point, I did actually go through threshold onto senior management. And, and I would say it was that continued opportunity to be challenged, ultimately, that, that kept me in the school. And um, it, it was exciting. It was a really exciting time for the school. And I know that that's perhaps circumstantial, uh, circumstantial reason to stay because perhaps not all schools are going through exciting periods, uh, you know, at, the, at that crucial moment or are able to maybe give staff opportunities linked to that. Um, our school was expanding a great deal. But, but I wonder whether the excitement can't be manufactured almost or, or at least created um, by management. And um, the, I would say most importantly, I actually believed in the product. Uh, I believed in what we were doing and I was inspired by the leadership and I actively wanted to, to support uh, our headmistress. And um, I genuinely felt like we were doing a very good job. And so, yeah, I, I loved going to work, um, it has to be said. Um, yeah. Did you guys I, I, feel any during, of that? Yeah, during that time, I really felt that I mean, you know, we, we've covered a lot of things, reasons why teachers stay and just what you've said there, Ross. Um, I definitely felt during that time that we learned so much together and I felt that what was learned as a teacher was because of everybody that I was working with. So there was a real sort of collegiate sense of, of sort of um, becoming better and everyone wanting to become better. Um, so we've, we've covered a lot with that, Ross, and we'll definitely come back to some of those things you've mentioned, like uh, leadership you've mentioned, you've talked a lot about learning and pay. Um, first of all, I just want to clarify the difference between attrition and retention. So last week's episode was why teachers are leaving, a bit of a 
a downer on that one, a bit of a negative episode. So, and this week is is why why they're staying. So last week was on attrition, which is teachers leaving the profession completely for another career endeavour. And when we talk about attrition rates, we're talking about teachers moving out of teaching. So retention, by contrast, is teachers staying in a school. I think I'm right in saying that. And that's a bit harder to measure. It's a bit harder to sort of work out uh, the data on that one. Yeah, most of the data I've seen is, is either leaving the profession or staying as a teacher. And there's not much I've seen about, about just jumping schools, which... I think happens probably more often than some of the other data that we're looking at. Definitely, definitely. You've got some things you wanted to say, Aaron, about why teachers might stay for perhaps some other reasons. Is that right? Oh, oh yeah. I think, I mean, obviously, there's, we'll go through lots of sort of positive reasons why teachers may stay, but uh, in, in sort of modern times in the the, the reality we're finding ourselves in with COVID and, you know, potential economic hardships right now, there's some security in sticking to the career you've invested, you know, a lot of money into through education and training and time. Um, so the, I think for a lot of teachers, the idea of starting over with a different career uh, could be scary. And so uh, instead of instead of rebooting their their career, they're they're just staying with what's comfortable and what they they know they can do, and instead of risking it all with uh, something else. Um, so I think that's one of the one of the reasons teachers are staying. Do do we think that that's more the case in teaching than other professions though? Because I think the term sort of being pot committed might apply to a lot of people that maybe start out as a a graduate in one career and then they they find a few years in that it's not for them and they want to to move across and and that's always a big jump and it's certainly a reason I know um, you know friends and and colleagues maybe in other professions who uh, you know they they stay um, despite not having a burning passion to do so. Definitely. And when I asked one teacher friend of mine why she thinks teachers stay, she said, why does anyone stay in a profession? And it's maybe a very good question for sort of people who are millennials and and, and younger, uh, because we know that the workforce is shifting around far more than it did in our parents' and grandparents' generations. Um, You know, you're moving between jobs and we probably either ourselves or we know people who move between different careers, even sort of by the ages of mid-30s. Um, at early 40s. So uh, why would people stay in a profession? Well, one of the first things we, we, we thought about when we came across this was obviously pay, and you've mentioned this, Ross, already. And we're going to look a little bit at the some of the sort of features of teaching to do with pay. We're going to mention pay, we're going to mention pensions, and then maybe some other financial incentives. Ross, I think you've got some stats on um, on UK teaching salary. Yeah, so most listeners are probably aware that uh, salaries from September went up by almost 9% outside of London. And so the average teacher salary in the UK is now £42,000, just over £42,000. There there are higher salaries in, in other countries, certainly. And, uh, you know, that that's a factor. But um, when combined with teacher pension scheme, um, pension in, input from from schools uh, and, and obviously the voluntary input as well from from ourselves, uh, it works out as a package to to be quite, um, quite attractive on the international stage. 
and we, lo- we looked at some data for some other countries. We looked at Ireland and Ireland on the, it was one of the um, it, sort of the attrition scales only had a, a very low attrition. I know we're talking about retention, but, but the data wasn't quite there for that. And in 2021, they, Ireland had a, an attrition rate of 2.4, which is much lower than other you know, countries like Finland, for instance, which you might think um, maybe in the back of your mind is a country which has high teacher retention, but uh, it wasn't actually the case when when investigated. And so we looked at the finances in Ireland, and on the face of it, it looks as though Irish pensions are are much stronger than than UK teacher pensions. And I think the average sort of annual take home uh, w- was going to be huge. It was something like twenty four thousand, or the equivalent of twenty four thousand pounds a year in annual pension after 35 years accrued in Ireland, which in the UK, um, it's far lower. It's, it's between 7.6 and 9.6 thousand pounds a year. Um, there is a lump sum, though, that you've got to take in mind. So it's, it's quite difficult to compare like for like. But it seemed like the Irish package in terms of pension was much better and that, to us, on the, on the face of it, explained the lower attrition. And their salary was only slightly lower. Um, now, I know that's not the whole story. And Aaron, you've been doing a bit of work yeah. on this. Well, well, yeah, I, I think uh, Ireland's going through some, some teacher uh, problems of their own right now. And one thing that kept coming up when I was looking at them is there's sort of two boats of, of Irish teachers' compensation packages. There's teachers that that joined uh, the teach the teaching force, workforce, whatever you want to call it, uh, before 2011, and they're on a specific, uh, they're, they're on a sort of their own pay scale and their own pension package, and then there's the teachers that joined after that, and that their packages, their compensation packages aren't quite, uh, or aren't as good as, as the teachers that have been there a while longer. Aaron, you also, um, I don't know, you, I know you currently don't work in the US, but um, you hear stuff about uh, teachers in the US um, doing running two or three jobs. You hear about people having to sleep in cars because they can't afford it. Is, is that stuff true? Is that just kind of like what we're seeing in the media? Do you, do you know much about that? No, that's very true. Um, in, in regards to, to the, what's happening with the, the Irish pensions, similar situation uh, in America. And my mother was a, a teacher for 36 years in Chicago public schools. And so I have a little bit of knowledge of what her pension package is like. And then I also joined Chicago public schools early in my career. And when you compare what our uh, pensions were, they were very, very different. Uh, I'd much rather have hers. But in talking about what you were saying, um, I, I had a second job when I was a teacher in America. Uh, many of the teachers I know had second jobs. Um, and a lot of it has to do with cost of living uh, versus, versus the salary you're making. Uh, I think, I don't know if we mentioned it in the last podcast, but we probably did how there's that community in, in California where uh, teachers can't afford to live there. So they asked parents to, to rent rooms to teachers. So very much a real problem. Yeah. And um, there's definitely, you know, this stuff changing in the UK with teacher pensions. Uh, I, want, I, I don't want us to spend too long on this because we've got so much to talk about with why teachers teachers stay and we're maybe sort of drifting away to why teachers leave but it's worth stating still going back to Ross your point that pensions for teachers whether it's changing much or not 
are still a lot better than many other jobs out there. And so it is still a very attractive thing. We should also kind of say that, yes, there's a cost of living crisis. Yes, we're going into a recession very likely. But um, in a recession, um, this maybe relates to your point, Aaron, um, but teachers generally stay in uh, the, the, the retention rates go down, just as something we didn't mention in the last one, but in COVID, attrition went down in the UK, but up again in 2021, 2022. So that, that when things get tough, teachers want to stay because of probably pensions, because of pay. And then, um, you know, but there's still that problem of the people leaving. So we want to, we also want to shift now and maybe look at a little bit why um, why people stay beyond pay, beyond the sort of financial incentives, because we know that's not just what's it all about. Ross, you wanted to chip in, I think. Yeah, I was just saying uh, two points. So I had a, a colleague mention to me, uh, having listened to episode two, he really wanted us to, to talk about this. Um, he is a, a little older than us, and he remembers the TES magazine actually being a magazine uh, with all the jobs sort of you know posted in there. And he said that during the financial crash in 2008, you could really tell uh, that there were far fewer jobs on the market because the magazine was about a quarter of the thickness that it had been um, sort of leading up to that. Uh, and he, he said, you know, that there just was no movement in the immediate aftermath from that. Um, and then the second thing I wanted to mention, I know it's a, a minor point for a lot of people, but um, the teacher pension scheme was honoured by a lot of independent schools. Now, if you're starting your career or if you're if you're moving into an independent school, more and more independent schools have moved away from the teacher pension scheme. And it's it's very difficult, I think, as a new entrant to to find the teacher pension scheme in, in those uh, environments. And so um, that that is that is definitely happening sort of in real time in the UK. So uh, are we sort of saying that, that there's maybe more incentive for teachers who've been in the profession longer to, to continue being teachers than, than people just getting into the profession? Definitely, Definitely. yeah. <laughs> and it's not just about pay. And that's what's really interesting because there's a paper from 2017 that suggests there's a complex, complex mix of factors. Um, this paper's from Warwick University. And um, it's it, it does talk about you know, pay, it talks about workflow behaviour, we'll talk about some of those things. But one of the things it says is that there's um, a perceived mastery and a feeling of significance of career. Now, you get that as you stay in teaching, as you become more of an expert teacher, as you sort of become more experienced. Aaron? So how, how many years, David, do you think you need to be an <laughs> expert teacher? <laughs> I'm really glad you're picking me up on this because I've been thinking about it ever since I made this claim in the last podcast saying that uh, it took three years to become an expert. Um, and I, I, I've listened to that since and I wish I hadn't said it because it's, it's not right. Um, I, the actual true quote, what I meant to say is that um, three years experience is about is a qu- quoted claim of when teachers plateau in their expertise. So they improve over three years and then sort of plateau. That, that's quite a common thing that's said. Um, and expertise, of course, will take longer than three years. And Ross, you mentioned you don't feel like an expert yet after many years of teaching. I think we're all still learning. Maybe I'll nod to Malcolm Gladwell and say, sorry, Malcolm Gladwell, your 10,000 hours may probably be more correct than anything I said. Um, what, are, what we can for absolutely certain say, though, is that there are some teachers who don't plateau over those three years and keep improving. And... Ross, you mentioned the school work. We all worked in together where we were sort of learning 
together and improving and getting better. Um, and I feel this is a really important thing to mention and why a teacher would stay in a school. Um, because if you feel like you're getting better, if you feel like you're improving as a teacher, um, if, you've, if you've got that sense of self as a person and mastery, you're more likely to want to sort of stay and keep going with that school. It's very rewarding, I think. And it becomes more fun, right? I, I, I think, especially like those first two years of teaching, it, it wasn't all that fun. It was, it was keeping my head above water and, you know, figuring out how to do everything and how to manage my time. And it, it was a big ball of stress. But, uh, you know, once you get sort of, to the, that kind of plateau point. I think three three years is a good plateau point, but you know, I think, you know, I I've gotten a lot better uh, since since my third year of teaching, and it's become more fun for me because I can experiment more with what I do, and uh, and feel a lot more confident about you know that what I'm doing is 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 useful and helpful. So, do, should we talk a little bit about the conditions um, in a school that makes this uh, this culture? and how that may work to keep teachers there. Ross, I think you wanted to sort of talk a little bit about this in, in a bit more detail. One of the things that I really valued about where, where we used to work is the shared practice and the fact that actually we were all sort of invited to contribute to CPD and we had uh, these things called TAUCs and they were really short opportunities for everyone to talk about something that had gone well for them. And there was also a real culture of shared practice and and you know having open doors and it it was very it was the norm to go into the back of someone's classroom to see what was going on and actually people inviting each other to to watch lessons or parts of lessons where people were trying something new or something that they were really confident in that could be applied across the school or across another subject and I just I loved that whole culture of learning it was great and this is uh, something I think that is coming to into real focus in schools. Right now, there's a lot of talk about CPD in terms of a process and the features of it, but also there's a huge talk about the um, culture that is created and the leadership that sets up that culture. Um, we mentioned in a previous uh, episode autonomy, and I got a lot of nods from teachers who had listened to the podcast saying, this is something that I was sort of listening to and thinking absolutely right. Uh, and, and it's true, there is a link between teachers wanting to stay and teachers having autonomy over what they do in the classroom and how they, to a certain extent, have a, what CPD they do and, and things like that. Um, there's definitely links there. I, th- I think there's also a link to that and, and just overall education quality because when I, when I was looking at this, I saw uh, sort of the, the key, the, the main example everyone goes to when talking about quality uh, education systems is Finland. And I know you're going to tell me that it's been sinking, David, but uh, they have a ton of it in Finland. The teachers have a lot of say in what they do and how the school runs. And that goes down to behavior as well as uh, what happens in the classroom. Interestingly, just to sort of counter that, um, there's another example, which is sort of the opposite to that. Um, Not quite, but in China, there's um, more time for professional development, marking and planning. Rough average for a teacher in China is 10 to 12, 40-minute lessons per week. And uh, there's also regular meetups regionally and locally. But there's, interestingly, less autonomy about what's done because it's far more uh, sort of prescribed, if you like. 
than, say, Finland or the UK or the US. So you kind of have to follow this sort of textbook and it's it's far more kind of direct instruction. Um, and uh, they are obviously, PISA suggests, PISA results, uh, which come out every four years, suggest that Singapore, uh, Shanghai, sorry, is one of the sort of strongest areas of uh, for pupil achievement. So if we're talking the link between teachers staying, professional development and pupil achievement, then China is definitely somewhere to look at, although I'm aware that the stats coming out of that, it's it's hard to quite know what you're looking at sometimes. Um, but just that maybe, maybe there's sort of different ways of doing it. Well, what about just from personal experience, right? Like we've all taught uh, in a lot of different environments and, you know, would you stay if you if you didn't have much autonomy over what you were doing? I wouldn't. So I, I to give an example, if you remember going back to my story at the beginning of the episode, at that point where we did take on the the upper school and and we had that sort of clean slate. I went to, at the very end of the academic year, just before then, I went to the first ever IPEN conference, which was held in London, and we spent a day, or I spent a day there, and then came back, and because of the culture in our school, I was then able to share what I'd learned, and we then embedded that in in the culture of the school, and particularly for us guys in the upper school, we, we actually used a lot of that to create our PHSE framework. And I, I remember hearing from the horse's mouth, Lord Layard, who'd designed this, this whole SEAL program. He said, by, by his own admission, the SEAL program was not fit for purpose and that schools should look to themselves to provide a PHSE program that was fit for their setting. And we, we sort of used that along with lots of the ideas that I picked up at that CPD. We used that to form our own fit for purpose uh, curriculum, which you guys all fed into, and and then if we're we're looking at sort of obviously that that's huge autonomy, right? That was that was brilliant, um, but but the proof's in the pudding. And actually, if you look at the children and you talk to the children, having gone through that two year program that we put together, the I would say the confidence and and actually the there was an awful lot of enjoyment built in there as well. But the the confidence of the pupils. And and their ability to link it to to that program was was very real, and and for me that was very rewarding, and and that that was a huge reason in staying. And if we're talking about reasons in staying, it, we've got to mention perhaps one of the most important, which is seeing children improve, seeing children get better, and learn, and have that kind of aha eureka moment in the classroom. Or even not the Eureka moment, but just the slow development over time that you see in a child, both pastorally and academically, when you have a really good program or really good teachers, and it's just so exciting. I think we'd all agree it's such a wonderful place to be in a school when you're seeing that happen. I think that goes back to to, to benefiting long-term teachers um, more, because not only, I think, are you a little bit more effective as a teacher... So you might see that more within within a school year. But we've got the benefit now of seeing kids that we taught 10 years ago. And, and you know, you might get a note from one of them every once in a while or, or come across some of their work and say, oh, wow, like, you know, that's a kid I, 
I taught and, and you get a little bit, I, I get a little bit uh, choked up when I see that kind of thing. So I, this is quite funny, but uh, it only happened yesterday. It's definitely worth mentioning. Um, I got back from an away fixture and the GT team had received a postcard dropped in into school from a Dutch couple who had cycled to the school. And at first, my, my colleague said he opened the door and he wasn't quite sure what to do, whether to sort of phone the police, close the door immediately, or, you know, he was, he was like, who are these people? And um, they had been to the Galapagos Islands, right? And they, the, the thing, I, I've not been before and I didn't know this till I was told this, but apparently the postal service in the Galapagos Islands is obviously non-existent. People don't really live there. Uh, and you write a postcard if you're visiting and you put it in a box. And the, the rule is you have to look through the box and take out the postcard uh, addressed to someone that lives vaguely near you. And then you have to, to get that postcard to its to its destination and that it you know that's that's the trade-off and so this dutch couple knew that they were going to be coming to to sussex and they thought it wasn't too far out of their their way so they take this card and it was written by a people that i used to teach and uh, it was it was addressed to to me at the school which i just think it was it was so cool sort of um having that link and we we covered things like you know sustainability, marine biology, all of those things. And he's obviously gone on holiday there, and and one of his thoughts is to write a postcard. And that it's it's moments like that with it, you know, you just they they make you feel really, I think, really valued. And um, you know, we we've all probably had moments like that. In the last episode, we asked, uh, you know, kind of slightly jokingly at the end of the at the end of the episode, which is. The episode was why a teacher's leaving. We asked, why would anyone stay in this job? And actually, I sort of put that question to a head, I know, um, because she was telling me about her 90-hour weeks and just the, the sort of the sheer sort of difficulty of running a school and Ofsted and everything. And I said, you know, why do you stay in the job? Because I had this podcast in mind. And she said, just, she beamed, with, she just had this massive smile and she just said, I love it. Like, she, she just said, I love it. And um, that was great because, I mean, it is hard work. We haven't really touched on workload that much. Um, but it is it is really hard work during the term time. I know lots of jobs are hard work, um, so I don't want to make teaching feel exceptional. There's a lot of tough jobs out there. But it, but it, is, it is kind of grueling and it's rewarding um, and it's got loads of value. Um, so I'm going to put it back to you guys Um why your sort of summation thoughts why do you think after all we've talked about why do you think um teachers stay in teaching stay in the school so so i think the, the teachers that do stay um long term uh obviously weigh those pros and cons that we've talked about over these episodes and for them it's it's worth it right it's rewarding it feels good uh if it doesn't if it's too stressful, then they leave. So I think the kids and making all these, you know, impact, seeing change and seeing a result from what you do um, is all anybody could ask for in a, in a rewarding job. And not a lot of other jobs can you see the impact that we can, we can see. So I think for the people where that works, that's why they stay. And the people that, that you know, these, all these neg- negative things outweigh it and that's why they leave 
Yeah, I mean, I totally agree with that. And um, it's it's really for me now. It's it it wasn't um, it wasn't always going to be the career, you know. And I I certainly hadn't grown up thinking I really want to be a teacher. You know, I can't wait to be a teacher. And and I've sort of fallen into it. And really, it's become a calling. You know, I can't imagine not teaching. I can imagine doing other things. And and one of the things we haven't talked about is is holiday. And I think holiday perhaps allows a lot of teachers to to pursue other interests. But um, I can't imagine not teaching. Yes, that definitely feels... I think I think I agree with... I wasn't the first thing I was going to do, first career I planned to do. But it's hard to imagine not teaching now. And even when I think about senior management uh, at some point, I feel you know that's obviously still teaching that's in teaching but but I do feel a bit sad about the idea that I would have to leave the classroom um if I was going to go and do that because being in the classroom is joyous it really is all right guys that feels like a a good point to to close out on this topic um Excitingly, in uh, in the next few weeks, we're going to be recording some episodes on CPDs, which is something that came up today, as well as the sustainability goals uh, and some exciting interviews. You've been listening to The Rest is Education. I'm David Marshall. I'm Ross Borthwick. And I'm Aaron Huber. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram, and we really welcome emails. So if you'd like to email us at therestiseducation at gmail.com, please do.